What is it? Apparently there's some weird guy out front. Let's all just walk out there in a drunken stupor. <laughs> Not even a drunk. What do you want? Boys. <laughs> Watch my six. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I'm your host, Perry. I got Curtis and Swan with me this week. I'm all fired up. <laughs> we're, uh, I, look, <laughs> we're recording this basically a couple of days after the, after last week's episode, uh, because I'm anticipating what's going to be hell week for me at work, and, um, I just, I'm all, I'm all gung-ho for what's about to happen here, so... Curtis and Swan, welcome to the the show again this week. What's up, man? Why do I have to welcome you guys anymore? You you like the co-hosts? It's usually my cue to just scream hello. <laughs> yeah. So that's <laughs> uh, I'm alright with it. Sub subtitles are just like Perry welcomes Curtis and Swan. Swan. <laughs> <laughs> Mass honked at me. Massive honk. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, we start every show out with a segment called Flying Blind, where I blind our guests on something that they've never had before. And I did something a little different this week. It's got ice in it, Perry. It's a cocktail. Oh, why is there real eight? <laughs> um, people who listened to last week's episode will probably know what this is based on the fact that Curtis just said it has a eight in it. But Yeah, so... I tried to nose this. It just smells like L8. Yeah, I'm not really getting much much bourbon smelling, but it's a cocktail. so like, Yeah, exactly. You're not expecting that. Yeah, some of them are super aromatic, though, like the cocktails, especially when they put, like, I don't know, <laughs> giant yeah. trees of mint on like, top. <laughs> true. <laughs> aromatic. <laughs> mint branches. Yeah. This is not meant to be like an overly imposing cocktail. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, yeah, now you remember. <laughs> this is not supposed to be an overimposing cocktail. I mean, this is... Uh, this look, is... I, I think it's easier just for me to go ahead and talk about it. So, we had a question last week. I think it might have been from Steven about um, what are the best like summer cocktails to drink. And I brought up something that I... Used to make a lot back in the day, but I don't normally make so much anymore. And it's bourbon, ale eight, and then a splash of orange liqueur. Right? Uh, I made it with 101 this time, of course. And then I threw just a dash of uh, uh, blood orange bitters into okay. it as well. That's what uh, gives it that edge. Yeah, for sure. Just like a step above just, you know, a regular ale eight and, mm-hmm. and bourbon. And as much as I love just like a like a lemonade and bourbon, too. I think that this is a little bit more nuanced. I think that it's, but at the same time, you know, a little bit more accessible, too. I think that this is a good cocktail for really anybody during the summer. It doesn't taste so much like bourbon that non-bourbon drinkers go, oh, I just I just taste the bourbon and I yeah. can't get over it. But Yeah, I feel like I can actually drink this when it's 90 degrees outside 
instead of feeling like I'm melting to the pavement, taking, you know, yeah. big gulps of 101. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do that. No, it's not, it's not <laughs> ideal. Swan, Swan's on the side of the road, and he's got a handle in one hand, and he's just crying. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no, I don't know Oh, it's hot. I'll make it there eventually. <laughs> Swan, I've never been in that situation. I don't know how that feels. <laughs> Apparently, I have. Perry's seen it. I don't remember it. On the pavement (laughs) with the 101. The pavement is the important part. I would kind of consider this kind of a poor man's uh, old-fashioned a little bit. Actually, yeah. It's a little bit of an old-fashioned taste, but not not quite. Yeah, without the, the bitters, it doesn't necessarily have that quality to it. I think the bitters helps to kind of elevate it a little bit. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it basically has everything that you would typically get from an old-fashioned, just in terms of ingredients. It's just in a, a much simpler form. Yeah. So, yeah, I, to- That's why I, I totally It's kind of like a poor man's yeah. old-fashioned. I get that. Yeah, and for those, I think I mentioned it last week, too. If you don't have ale 8 in your area, because it's a very Kentucky thing, it's basically ginger ale with a little extra kick. So, yep. mix in your ginger ale and some blood orange bitters and... Whatever you want to mix in, bourbon they, wise. They've been advancing the dis- distribution between in L.A. Yeah, it's in uh, Tennessee now. and Indiana, and I think maybe even Ohio at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not just a L.A. Not just for Kentucky anymore. Actually, Virginia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. My well, fiance was able to find it in Virginia the other day. Do you guys ever like? So I don't drink a whole lot of soda ever. I don't really either. Yeah, and people are like, do you want a Coke? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't really need it. I don't but then water. they're like, what's well, got bourbon in it? And I'm like, yep, I'll take it. <laughs> Immediately, the second it becomes a cocktail, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm all there. Is a bourbon and Coke a cocktail? Yes. It's, it's a, a To me. To me. I think it's a mix. I don't know if it's, it's a, a mix. Cocktail. Yeah. It's, I guess. But I just can't consider it a cocktail because a cocktail, I feel, has to be some sort of combination or com not complex but just a a mixture that requires some bit of skill yeah i feel like <laughs> i feel like cocktails are like three ingredients or more i yeah. feel like i need to be able to not make it by myself for it to be a cocktail <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just feel if you have a bourbon and coke that and sounds you put, dangerous sorry yeah. go ahead kurt <laughs> i feel if you put a bourbon and coke you are just taking pretty much like <laughs> Two ingredients Coke and ice. And bourbon and ice. Yeah. And there's no distinguish between how many parts the whole, parts what, parts bourbon, parts Coke. You could go three fourths, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bourbon. It's bourbon with a splash of Coke. Yeah. So <laughs> That's how I like my bourbon and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever have them. Anyway. Yeah, I like this cocktail a lot. I, yeah. I just figured, you know, Swan, after we talked it up last week, that you would have the chance to try it and Absolutely. No, see I, what my hype over it was about. I, I definitely like it. I don't ever make cocktails. I try. I, the only ones I ever do are the Eli Mason old oh, yeah. fashioned, mm-hmm. just because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't like cocktails either, but this is really solid. I don't even like AL8 that much, and I think this is pretty good. Well, you would since you're not from Kentucky. I'm just yeah. kidding. Huh. I'm just kidding. Heard I don't, that before. <laughs> I don't care. Bourbon's about inclusivity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Perry says. 
As I give Get him the out. death stare. <laughs> Curtis jumped out my window just now. Who do you who do you know here? <laughs> well, anyway, that was flying blind. Guys, what have you been drinking recently? Uh I just had a four roses pick. Yeah? Yeah. Um it was pretty good. They they do a couple of picks that aren't cast strength. Um, just a hundred proof. Yeah. And I tend to avoid those, if I'm honest. Uh they're typically pretty good. Yeah, and they're pretty solid. Yeah. I think I need to uh, start picking up some more of those. Because the cash strength are good, but you're, you're paying your money for the cash strength. Because yeah. they're usually like 70-ish. And then these are the same price as what's on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Who so. was the pick through? I don't remember. Uh, oh, Chad, oh, let me try a little bit of it. Um, oh, Chad. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, By the way, Chad, thanks for dropping all of these samples on us for... No reason. I'm excited yeah. about it, but we're just sitting at this table with a bunch of bourbon and then sample bottles that I don't know what to do with. I'm but not going to complain. No, me neither. It's great. I'm just confused. Anyway. I'm always confused. It's a do? constant state. <laughs> it's a constant state of confusion. <laughs> Kurt? Uh, I've been drinking. I killed off my Weller 12. Killed it. Ooh. Yeah. I haven't touched and mine that's in okay, a while. You know? It's okay. Well, it, you sound like you're still convincing yourself that it's okay. It's okay, man. It's okay. Well, it's been at. I'll get over. It's been low for a long time, so I just was like, you know, I'm right. just holding on to this for nothing. Like, yeah. to, just kill it. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed it very, very much. Sometimes it's nice too. Instead of having like, oh, the family's over, all my friends are over. Let's open this bottle and share it. It's just like, it's Tuesday. I'm watching Family Guy. <laughs> Yes. Let's pour some George T. Stag. Yeah. <laughs> and with this Weller 12, I didn't have... It's not a thing where people come over and I could be... Give, open it and give it up, like, give some to them. Because I would be going, oh, well, there's nothing. Like, it's two drops for yeah. per, like, three people. Mm-hmm. So it just was like, I'm just going to be selfish and drink this whole thing. It's perfectly fine. You yeah, bought the bottle. There's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing selfish about that. Yeah. And then I've regrettably been trying to get through that organ spirit so. yeah well <laughs> we all make mistakes <laughs> mix it in this cocktail maybe it'll probably not mask some of it <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah i feel like at the very least you could just ignore it <laughs> just throw it away yeah no i just mean like in the cocktail like you could just you know yeah. it's not gonna overpower the other flavors you yeah. can just be like yeah i introduced Perfect. perry to my handle of 101 that i have that's not actually handle of 101 oh yeah it's your throwaway yeah anytime blend. i get bourbon or whiskey that i don't like it's literally just like i just dump it into a handle of 101 it becomes shot whiskey so anytime i'm just like i just want i just Need. i'm getting drunk tonight yeah you know and instead of having like good bourbon after good bourbon i'll take like just two shots of just whatever this has ended up being and it's not that bad actually yeah it's it's surprisingly okay i would really like to try that can you bring me a sample bottle of your blend yeah it changes weekly i should have brought that for the blending episode what's in it no clue no clue i couldn't even begin to just drink it i would be interested in trying that though we'll do that sometime we could do just like a dump bottle episode yeah Yeah, it's not like an infinity bottle it's like a garbage bottle it's just yeah that's cool (laughs) i'm just interested on what it would taste like Anyway, Perry. So we just got back from staying at the, we being uh, myself and Lucy, uh, staying at the Bowman Inn in Harrisburg, Kentucky, uh, which is where Dixon Deadman of the Kentucky Owl fame 
his family owns that that place, and they have a couple of really really good uh, Russell's Reserve picks, and got to try both of them last night with dinner as well. I uh, that's really been about it of note for me. I've just kind of been, um, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of time to enjoy special pours recently, you know, aside from daily drinkers. So yeah, a great, um, <laughs> what we've been drinking from, from old Pear Bear <laughs> this week. But we got a really interesting and fun episode to dive into this week. This episode comes out basically uh, in in the first half of 2019. I figured it would be a good time for us to step back and talk about the year that's been so far and what we have to look forward to. Um, You know, whether it's releases, whether it's, you know, just the culture or whatever, I think that there's enough for us to discuss at this point um to sit down with each other and and make something out of it so i figured we would first start out with what's come out so far this year it's been a pretty good year of releases so far and i know that we last week said that it was like oh kind of a dead year but once i really stepped back and looked at it there's been some good stuff that's come out this year Mm-hmm. So the the first one that I I made note of was the Four Roses Small Batch Select. That's yeah, it's top of my list. Yeah, mm-hmm. for That's me, for me, great edition. Well. Um, there's the the Cooper's 100, Cooper's Craft 100 proof, mm-hmm. um, which that. was a nice addition. All three of the Bardstown Bourbon Company releases, uh, the Fusion, the Discovery, and the Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve. Um, I think those are going to be important down the line, just in terms of premium brands mm-hmm. too i think that those are kind of setting the standard for what new premium brands can be in in the bourbon market right now yeah that's kind of an under the radar kind of release i feel oh a yeah bit. for sure it's not a not a ton of people know about them mostly because there's they're so allocated and kind of uh limited but still when those start kind of becoming a bigger thing or they start putting producing like whatever they like their own stuff if that's the direction they go in i feel like that was yeah um yeah that's gonna be really really good i also feel like uh wilderness trail yeah uh that was that was another one that was on the list the uh the rye mash bourbon Mm -hmm. um that i think is going to be a a huge release that we kind of look at in 2019 just that you know, not only are you taking a craft distillery, but it's four years old. It's bottled and bond. I mean, they've gone through the the ringer to make something that I think is arguably a really good product. Um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be important for uh, kind of an, an earmark for craft distilleries coming up in the next next couple of years, rather. Yeah, and if you're looking at premium brands, in old Carter do some stuff this year uh, yeah they've got rye batch three coming out yeah here soon or maybe it's already out i can't remember for sure yeah old carter's doing some good stuff the whiskey baron collection continues with bond and lillard batch two as well as wb saffle bond and lillard batch two i thought was just marginally okay wb saffle though i loved i thought it was a great product Turkey should really consider adding adding that rather to 
their their lineup. Um, it doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, have to be you know as WB Saffle. It could be a new expression of Turkey. Um, but man, it's such a such a good pour. I I need to get another bottle of it. Mm-hmm. I wish that they would release it in something bigger than three seven fives and maybe a little bit more affordable. Yeah, but. I'd love to that. see it at the prices at now in a 750. Oh I yeah, agree. I'd totally be fine with that. Yeah, that would sure. definitely be okay, especially with the Saffold one though. Yeah, the Saffold oh, was definitely by far, I think, my in my opinion, the the best out of out of the editions. I would say it's one of the best bourbons that's come out this year. Mm. I, I mean, you know, sitting we're recording on June 30th, literally halfway through the year. Yeah, I think that at this point. It's been one of the best bourbons that's come out in 2019. Um, oh, another big one, too. Old Forester Rye. In the 1910, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That did come out this year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the reason that the rye has been on my radar more than the 1910 is that I just think that the, the rye is a better quality product. It is. And, and better value, for that matter. I can. I used to honestly tell people Wild Turkey 101 was one of the better things to mix with cocktails. Yeah, I mean, you used it for this. Oh yeah, I mean that's it's just a it's a go to old Forester. That's what I've started recommending for people. The rye, it's it's cheap, affordable, decent proof. It's just it's hard to beat to use in cocktails. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, because there's a lot of people that will tell you that old fashions were traditionally rye. And you should use a rye bourbon. Yeah. Or just a straight up rye in it. Um. So I mean, it's it's good to use. Have you had the old Forester rye yet? Uh, I don't believe I've had it, no. Well, Curtis, it's lucky for you that I have it just sitting on my floor right now. Oh, look at that. Yeah, we may as well have a little bit if you guys are okay with that. Fred Minnick has said that this is his new best value whiskey. Best value American whiskey. I I mean, you've not had it yet. I don't want to put too many words in your ears or anything, but I kind of agree with him. I think that it's, um, you know, at $23, it's hard to beat the quality of this i remember distinctly thinking this is different from the rest of their profile yeah that's very good this is a rye for people that don't drink rye yeah i was gonna say it doesn't smell like a rye whiskey as much as it does a bourbon palate doesn't either i get a little bit on the finish of that like rye spice a little bit Mm -hmm. but no more than i would get on just Mm. a rye heavy bourbon it's a very approachable rye i feel like sometimes with ryes as you go, as you start with them, you're going. Mm, it's a little too, too upfront for me. Does yeah. this have like a high malted something in it? Uh, it might. Let me look it up real quick as we're. Because I'm kind of getting a little bit, but it is definitely not as aggressive as that Oregon Spirit stuff. Mm-hmm. I like it though. It's definitely interesting. A lot of people are which doing would make that s- now. Which would make sense because it is the rye. Yeah. Like whiskey. Uh, it does actually have a pretty high malted barley content. Hey, look at that. <laughs> uh, 65% rye, 15% corn, 20% malted barley. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I totally get what you're what you're saying there. Well, a lot of people are doing that. Like another new release from this year, the New Riff Rye. They put that out this mm-hmm. year. They're do- That's 95% rye and then 5% malted rye. Yeah. So technically, a hundred percent rye whiskey. Yeah, which is I I never thought that I would like a one hundred percent rye whiskey as much as I did the new Riff Rye. I think it's fantastic, 
easily one of my best whiskeys that came out this year so far. Um, and I would put the Old Forester Rye toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe with that, rather, in this case. It's good. Yeah, man. It's a great addition. 23 bucks. Especially for somebody that's not into rye. Yeah. You should definitely go buy this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How about Legion? I liked it. I got a bottle. I have not had it in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not as keen on it as you guys were. But, you know, I, I, again, tried it after we reviewed it the first time. I thought it was okay after that. But I, I don't know. I wasn't just super keen on it. You know what I think that thing's missing after having that Nika? You know that smokiness you get from the Nika? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it had just a little more of that in there and a little less of the wine characteristic. Sure. Yeah. I think it would appeal to a huge audience. I think that it would be phenomenal. But it's finished in those. It's not it's not the actual whiskey. And I know that the the kind of the PD process comes from more how you treat the grain before you put it in the mash. So finishing you don't get that quite as upfront. Yeah. But it's still it's pretty it's pretty good stuff. I, I liked it a lot. And I thought the price point was really fair for what you got. Um, you said you didn't, it wasn't your favorite thing it that just came wasn't out. My, yeah, it, it really wasn't. I thought it was average at best. Um, 40 bucks for it was a little bit more than I w- would have been willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was, I just thought it was okay. I thought it was really good for the price point that you're getting with, getting it for. And then also just like the process that it ha- had to go through. Mm-hmm. To get to sure. the final product sure. of it was, you know, that's fair. First, master distilled, then sh- shipped over to be blended. Yeah, I think the whole kind of concept of it was really, really cool, and the actual product for me tasted pretty good. I will say, I would like it to have more of a refined quality to it, or yeah, or, or something I get to that. that matter. I get that. Uh, let's see what else. Kentucky Al confiscated. Came out great one. Um, uh, a, yeah, yeah, been a, been a fan of that, of course. George Dickel bottled and bond, uh, which is a corn whiskey, basically uh, straight popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> buttered as, popcorn, as we talked about last time. And then not bad, just buttered popcorn. Yeah, exactly. And and my my last one that I have notes about are the the two releases of Booker's that have come out so far, uh, Teresa's batch and the Shiny Barrel. I've been a little disappointed from Booker's this year. So that was something I wanted us to talk about, too, before we got into what's to come in 2019 and what we're excited about in 2019. Um, It's just, how do we feel about what's been released this year so far? And my very first one was, have we been disappointed with Booker's so far? We're at two releases. The first one was met with just kind of an overwhelming meh. And the second one, I really liked, but it just seems like the general consensus has been, it's not that good. It's not worth the hype. It's just not there. I think they may have damaged how people perceived this one because they compared it to Center Cut. Sure. And it's just, when you compare it to like your holding grail that you had, it's rough. It's like when musicians are like, 
people are always saying, I wish they would have something like this from their first album. Like, I want more of their first album. If you want more of that, go listen to the first album. Yeah. They're, they're doing their own thing now. So when you go back and you're comparing it to your past work, it's a little rough, and it's hard to hold a candle to oh, yeah. what you've, you've done before. You really should come up with something different and new, and especially with bookers where you're you know, blending more so than yeah. anything else. So you're, you're making the ability to have an entirely new expression as opposed to something kind of like what you had before, and especially when you're comparing it to your you know, crown jewel. Yeah. And I think it's okay if it has shades of what was, mm-hmm. but it still is its own thing. You know, I think that's why, you know, to, to kind of play off of the, the, the musician aspect of it, that's why styles are important, but what you do with that style is just as important. You know, I mean, if we had... You know, if it was just small batch whiskeys, just small batch bourbons, and consistently each of them were exactly the same across the board, across distilleries, that would get boring after a little while. But if you took an individual distillery like Jim Beam is doing with Booker's, and they have different expressions of a small batch bourbon, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that is, you know, encouraging drinkers to find out what exactly it is that they like and to take the time to experience different flavor profiles and everything so while it may have been a misstep so far with these two expressions i don't think that they're going to go down as some of the worst bookers releases that have come out so far yeah i don't think so i mean they're small batch bourbons, and they're trying to do something. I mean, each one gets its new name. You don't want every single one to be the same exact product because you'll be sitting there going, mm, well, you know, Kentucky Chew's the same as, you know, <laughs> Kathleen's Batch or, you know, sure. something like that. Yeah. To where, you know, you want to have those differences. I will say those two, the so far the 2019 editions, you know, I don't think they've been as... They've not been as strong. They've not been as strong or as last diverse. year's. Yeah. yeah. Um, and may, but th- we're also only halfway through the year, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a, a couple more that are. What if they're better than the last year's twenty eighteen? Then we'll be talking about something totally different. Yeah, for sure. There is a a really interesting conversation that's going around right now too about bourbons in twenty nineteen. And that is the market price. So we're seeing a price increase in products like uh, Weller 107, which is jumping from about $25 basically to $50. So a a 100% increase. Um, Come later this year, we talked about it on last week's episode, the Heaven Hill Bottle of Bond is going from a six-year to a seven-year and basically jumping three times in price. So from $13 to $40. there, there are just a lot of discrepancies that are, are, are being considered when it comes to the, the market value of bourbons in 2019 currently. Are, are, are we getting into an era where products are being overpriced and undervalued? 
so with a price increase, I I think something very specifically. It's if you have a product that you can't find on the shelf and you're raising the price to either deter people from buying it up at such a cheap price and reselling it, or even just to, you know, hopefully make more of it, make more money to then up your, you know, amount you're making. So later on, you'll have more product. If you're doing one of those two things, I'm perfectly okay with you making a little more money. Like Buffalo Trace, they're charging more money, but they're also doing a massive expansion right now to hopefully give me more product on the shelf when I go to shop. I'm okay with that. The people that I have issues with raising prices is when you when you're constantly seeing at one product on the shelf and it just doubles in price. That's when I get kind of iffy on it. Yeah. So, you know, as long as distilleries are taking the basically taking the money from you know the extra money coming from stuff and using it as an investment i'm perfectly okay looking at that product and saying i'm basically endorsing buffalo trace i'm sure, endorsing yeah. having hill i'm on the same front on that i guess the only thing i would be like okay maybe not is the quality of the product has to be there if you're yeah. going to make the price jump yeah because i also think we're living in we're living in a time where we're kind of having a a a market correction sort of a little bit in oh, the yeah. sense of absolutely hey, we've been enjoying some really really good bourbon for dirt cheap yeah and now i think we're at a point of like oh the world's we've had the bourbon boom we're having people throughout the entire country throughout the world going oh this bourbon thing's like really good yeah and i think that that high in demand is also causing those prices to go up but i agree with you on you know the quality has to be there and then i'm okay with looking at those prices if they are taking the ones that to adjust for some of those uh you know limited quantities and and expansions yeah Yeah. there's a lot to take into consideration i also think the craft market's kind of thrown everybody for a loop oh yeah because when you look at a four-year that just came out like new riff and you're thinking well they're fetching 60 bucks I got a tenure on the shelf for thirty. You know, I mean, it's there. It's no longer like that competitive <laughs> nature that drives like the whole capitalism aspect. Yeah. Or like, I can I can mark this up, and nobody's really going to say anything because yeah. if they get in that comparative mood and look at the other stuff on the shelf, I'm not doing too bad. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard for them to, especially like Buffalo Trace, look at Weller twelve twenty five ninety nine suggested retail, and then think you know i'm making enough money on that <laughs> there's somebody in the marketing department is losing their head right now because they're yeah. like charge triple <laughs> like, i mean it's it I, I totally get it i'm glad that some of them stay away from doing that just to you know please the customer instead of pleasing the shareholders that's great and and i agree with everything that you said i think that it makes sense that distilleries are raising the prices but is is raising the price of your product going to lead to the inevitable and i say inevitable even though you know i don't anticipate it happening anytime soon bursting of the bubble or ending of the boom i mean you know if if you know it it's one thing if 107 is unavailable it's another thing entirely if it's available and twice the price mm mm-hmm. You know, See, I, I mean, it, is is that what's going to be the downfall of the bourbon boom? Will the bur- will the bubble bust? I I mean, I don't know. 
I don't think that it will necessarily, but I could see why it why it would. But go ahead, Curtis. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I definitely could see that happening too. Is you know, if the prices keep getting at like upped and they're higher prices, and we're starting to see some of these more available bourbons, like a one hundred seven or a twelve year, which I don't think that'll honestly, I don't think that'll ever happen. I think they'll probably keep that kind of this limited stuff, but. Is there a point where we get oversaturated, like with bourbon? Because we we have all these craft distilleries doing the, their thing. They're there's people dropping their age statements. There's people that you don't know what the age statement is, and then you have, you know, it's all these different things. Is there a point where we have too much saturation? I don't know. I mean, I, I have no input. I just hope not. Like, I don't yeah, I, <laughs> like, I mean, these are all, just... all kind of existential kind of <laughs> questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to be able to find Weller 107 on the shelf, even if it was double the price just constantly. But I, I know there's some people, too, that, and me included, I'll look at somebody charging 45 for Henry McKenna. And if I take a step back, I look at that bourbon, I'm like, it's totally worth 45 10 year, 45 bucks, Henry McKenna. But then I also look at it, and the inner me is like, it used to be $32, so don't buy it. You know, like, it's it depends on what mentality you take towards seeing that on the shelf at a higher price, I guess, is what's going to drive the bourbon boom. If you're the, the inner voice in my head, it's bourbon boom's coming. If you're the guy that's like, well, it is worth it to me, then this is going to live on for a good while. Yeah, so. and, then, and then eventually... You know, people who are just turning 21 or, you know, just getting into bourbon, they're going to be like, oh, that's the price I've always known it as. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So then you're like, well, this is no difference to me. I can just actually find it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas us, and I'm sure that's where kind of the older guys are like, back in my day. (laughs) Yeah. We become that. Oh, boy. (laughs) I didn't realize we were that close to that happening, but we're really close to that happening. Really close? Are you kidding me? Back in my day, I could get Henry McKenna and Heaven Hill six year <laughs> on the shelf constantly. Nobody knew about it. Back Let's... in my day, Elijah Craig twelve. <laughs> it's already happened. <laughs> Let's put a pin on the uh, the Heaven Hill conversation just for now because I, I think that's uh, going to be important. Talking about what's to come in twenty nineteen mm-hmm. too. I want to talk to about. What do we want from the industry right now? Because I'm not entirely sure that the industry is in tune with its consumers. I see, I mean, price hikes where there don't need to be. We see age statements either going away or, you know, being dropped or, you know, whatever. Maybe where they don't necessarily need to be. I see... Companies not catering to their immediate consumer. It, what what do we want from the industry, not just in 2019, but beyond? I think that, that there is still something to be desired in the way that the industry operates. But what do, what do you guys think? I, if I... If I were going to peg two things that I want, and I'm going to use two distilleries as an example of this... Four Roses and Wilderness Trail. I want people that are putting out solid, large-scale releases of good bourbon at a higher proof. 
So yeah, they're putting out a great new release, the Small Batch Select, and I think it's solid, it's appropriately priced, and it's available. That's what I want. Secondly, Wilderness Trail. When I go to Colorado or if I want to go to Florida or just anywhere I travel, I want to be able to pick up something local. I mean, we've you've done that before. Yeah. And I, when I ask somebody at a liquor store, what do you recommend? And they're looking at the liquor shelf, and there's like 20 or 30 different local-ish bourbons. And they're like, I don't know, man. They make this in the town over. Well, great. It's probably really not that good. But when yeah. somebody comes to Kentucky and I'm like, hey, buy some New Rift. Buy some you know, Wilderness Trail. I don't feel bad about telling them that it's mm-hmm. local. Um, and I mean, look at like if I went to Colorado, for example, and I, I got there, I'm going to shout out a small little distillery that's doing some great stuff. 80 Laws, Four Grain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. It's pretty good. I mean, granted, they the longer they, they leave their product in, the better it's going to get, but they're meticulous, and it shows. I want to be able to travel places and get more of a local vibe as well and it not be bad product. So that that's what I'm looking for. It's it's the same way. It, what, what you are talking about, what you are implying, is the same way that beer drinkers approach mm-hmm. traveling. I mean, I, I, I'm the same way. I'll go somewhere different and I'll go, well, what's your local, your local brew? You know, mm-hmm. what do you have on draft that's local? And that's usually what I want to try. I mean, you know, I can go anywhere and get Budweiser. I can go anywhere and get, you know, it, well, at this point in the, in the Southeast Yingling, you yeah. know, I, it, it's just, you know, I would, I want to go to different places and see what they have to offer. So yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. That's super. I mean, I'm Swan kind of hit it right on the head on a lot of this is that's what I want to see is some of these more craft distilleries putting out just high quality product, but it being local to these cities. I want to, and I know that's a little, it's not, it, it makes us drop down this little self in selfishness kind of fence of, Oh, well, you know, this 99% of the bourbon or whatever is made in Kentucky. And I love that. And that's, you know, yes, go Kentucky for that, which I love. And I want that to still be a thing, but I also do want to see some of that. Hey, craft distillery. Yo, go try out this Cincinnati bourbon that I've had. Yeah. Or it's even tough, like a- though, because the timing, they have to wait longer. Yeah. So how how do they do that? That's the difference between the brewing, like breweries and yeah, distilleries. For sure. But I would like to see kind of more. I'm a big fan of small batch releases, so I think I would love to see some more of broader small batch releases from like Kentucky distilleries and well known ones, and to be able to have that, not so much just the single barrel. Yeah. So, it, but before we go too far, what I just poured for us was E.H. Uh, e. Taylor small batch. And one, one of the reasons that I did it was because, I mean, not only do I love it, but I want to see this come back. I want to see this in large quantities be released into the market. And I understand that the, the supply way 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 underweighs the demand there is a huge demand right now for some of those 
quasi premium spirits. But man, if if I could go into a store and find Taylor Small Batch again, just on the shelf, I would love that. Yeah, I think what I what I'm getting at is that I would like to see wider releases, wider distributions of products that you know we at this point consider allocated. Whether or not allocated is a buzzword, you know, for for this day and age, I I just think that we're we're at a point where we could start seeing this happen again. Maybe it takes a couple of years. Maybe it's just not ready. I'm okay with that. But I I want to, in the next little period of time, see allocated products become unallocated. Standard. Become standards, yeah. Yeah, because I, I do get somewhat tired of walking in and being like, like just going into a liquor store and being like, oh, let me scan all five shelves and being... Well, nothing I could get here, so <laughs> yeah, you know, or nothing I can get here that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah, do you? Yeah. Guys, this is gonna be super personal for a second. Do you guys also have the thing where you feel like people look at you like you're stealing if you don't buy something? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. when I walk yep, into liquor stores, I'm like, I scan all the shelves real quick, and I'm like, Nah, there's nothing really here that I want. I look for the age dated stuff that's on the shelf and old, and then I start like walking towards the door, and I'm like, They probably think there's something in my back pocket. <laughs> Yeah. Like I just immediately hit that that feeling. Yep. yep. I feel the same. I feel the same. But I, I get what you're saying. I'm tired of walking in and scanning the shelves and being like, Well, this is everything they had last week. And it's truck day. Like Yeah. What gives? So that leads me into the last question before we talk about what's about to come out in twenty nineteen. I I try to remain optimistic about what's to come for the bourbon market, for the bourbon industry. Do you all find yourself more inclined to be hopeful or a little bit more dismayed for the immediate future of bourbon? Hopeful for trying great new releases, disappointed that a lot of the great new releases are probably not ones I'm going to be able to find. Yeah. I get that. I, I totally get that. That's where I'm at. I mean, I know at some point this November, I'm going to be in five to six different layers with a ticket in my hand in the liquor barn parking lot, hoping someone calls my number. And yep. to me, that's like, I'm excited for that moment, but you take a step back and look at it and you're like, oh snap, 15 years ago, they just found that on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that hurts a little bit. Uh, but it, the second that one of us gets like any of my friends that drink bourbon gets a bottle of George T. Stag this year, it's like half the bottle's gone because they're letting everyone try it. That's a great sense of community. Wait, before I let Curtis uh, answer the question, I gotta ask though, do you find that to be good or bad for bourbon? That people are willing to go out and wait for specific bottles in the cold depends on the purpose for me okay if if you're out there because you want that bourbon you want it in your collection you want your friends to try it and you that's just something you that you crave is is a new release of something special that you can have at christmas with your friends and so on 
I think it's a phenomenal thing for bourbon because yeah. you're waiting in line with people that enjoy the spirit that you love. That's great. That's fantastic. What I hate is what I saw with the Mictors 25 release. And this is nothing against Mictors. I love it. But it was so pricey that the second that it started hitting, people were like lining up for this stuff. And I'm, 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 you want to be optimistic and think, yeah. great, they're buying this because they want it. No, they're buying this because they can flip it for three times the price in the parking mm-hmm. lot. Yep. That that hurts a little bit, and I think that's terrible for bourbon. And it's not going to stop. It. I don't. I don't even anticipating it like it's stopping, but I. It's it's harmful, you know, because yeah. Then it doesn't give the people that actually were willing to share and get the name of that distillery out access to stuff and try it that's that's rough yeah yeah i think i'm super hopeful for all the editions and renditions of bourbon that we are going to try throughout the rest of the 2019 and in the future i mean how, how do you not because i mean these distilleries are putting out great products and thinking of new ways of doing it we have craft distilleries that are starting to pop up and i assume that they will keep popping up that will have these high quality products i will say you know you do kind of have there's just going to be these ups and downs I oh feel. yeah i don't absolutely i'm disappointed in some of those things but i think we're in a time where it's just like we're going from high to low to high to low and i think eventually that's going to end up being kind of a an upward incline towards towards the end of 2019 as future the, as the future comes on yeah um, but right now I think we're just like in a very like turbulated space. Yeah. I, I think overall I'm, I'm willing to give the industry the benefit of the doubt. I think that, you know, that it sounds counterintuitive, but I think that they probably have the best interest of bourbon drinkers at heart. That being said, though, I understand that, to quote Bernie Lovers, it's a bourbon industry, not a bourbon charity. And I I get it. I understand it. I'm not going to argue with it either. Um, But I think that, you know, you, you also need to know your client base. You also need to cater to your main consumer. Whether or not distilleries are willing to do that into the rest of 2019 and into the future, I mean, that's to be determined. This is a conversation we can have for a really, really long time, I think. But I remain cautiously optimistic, I think is what I would say. Shall we talk about, though, what is to come? In 2019. Yes. Yes, Because I've got something that's flying under the radar I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about something that's been super high profile over the past couple of weeks. Swan, you and I have already talked about this at, not necessarily at length, but we've we've established our views on it. Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond 7-year. National release, $40, up from 1 year, so, you know, 6 years to 7 years. And from $13 to $40. It's a bit of a conundrum. I mean, where we go, 
I understand why they're doing this. You know, it was undervalued for a long time. They, this was a long time coming. I'm curious how you feel about this, Curtis, because I haven't heard your feelings on it yet. Yeah, I think it's, it was an undervalued bourbon, definitely. There's no reason that that bourbon should have been at that price point. And it, I think it just is some. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it, though. It's like, why was it that way? <laughs> yeah, it never should have. I think it had something to do with it was allocated only to Kentucky. It was only released in Kentucky. And I think it, and it was under the radar. It was under the radar until, you know, people started having it and it was like, oh, wow, this is really good. I think they noticed that and then they said, hey, okay, we're going to take it off and we're going to give it. We want to give this to the bourbon drinkers out there. We'll up it up one more year. It's going to be a great product. Um, I do think that they jumped a little too high with the price. Yeah. I, it's too high. $40 is too much for the, the seven-year um, Heaven Hill bottle and bond bourbon, in my opinion. I think if you're sitting at 30 I think that's a solid number. I'll take it. Now that you guys are both here, do you like the branding? Oh yeah, I love yeah, the branding. I think it's, really I think it's beautiful. <laughs> Bottle better. I I I really like the branding. Oh yeah. Overall, I, they, I think it's gorgeous. I thought they did a yeah. good job. I wanted to wait till there was two graphic designers, so hopefully you'd fight each other. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. No, we agree. Okay. And I think they. I mean, that ultimately that also adds to the upping of the price. Yeah, I just don't think it should be forty dollars. Yeah. Do you think though that at at a seven year bottled and bond, it's okay for them to raise the price? Kurt, it, it, or Swan and I have talked about this already. For them to raise the price of Henry McKenna ten year bottled and bond to like forty fifty dollars. See, that's where I go. I think it's okay for that to happen. Yeah. If, okay and inevitable. No, is I, how yeah, I, feel. I think Henry McKenna ten year should be at forty. To $45 a bottle. I think the Heaven Hill 7-year bottle and bond sit at like 30 You're getting an extra three years of age. Yeah. And, and arguably, I mean, Henry McKinnon is a single barrel, so that's kind of a tougher thing to, to do. But that's a really good point, actually. No, honestly, like that's, so I, that's I just, something that I, I hadn't really considered before is that, you know, you are striving for a single barrel profile that, you know, encapsulates, you know, what that brand is as a whole, whereas you have a seven year product that is a culmination of X amount of barrels. Mm-hmm. So then you sit there and you, it's we're just in a weird time, I think. I yeah. Mean, you sit there and you go, okay. We have a 10-year bottled and bond, single-barrel Henry McKenna. Well, geez, man. If you're sitting at a Heaven Hill 7-year bottled and bond, and it's wide release, and it's sitting at $40, Henry McKenna should be, if you're looking at price, strictly at price. At least 50 Should be at like 50 60 Yeah, I can see it being 60 I don't know. Easily. I mean, based on that point, I think it could be $60. So that's why I think 40 is too high of a price point. Man. And that I think that 
Heaven Hill should be at 30. Because you have yeah. these other yeah, brands I see that. and editions that. that I think at a fair price, $40 for Henry McInnes, like solid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. then they've got the Elijah Craig 12-year, 60. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's one that I've told Perry repeatedly, like, I will pay $100 for that bottle if I find it. And it's the release I need. The barrel proof. The barrel proof, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's something I I, I feel is worth it, like, on yeah. secondary. So, I mean, it's not something that I'm going to be able to pick up as a daily drinker by any means, but it's it's definitely worth more than the quoted fifty nine ninety nine suggested retail. So, yeah, yeah. I just find myself going these bourbons. I would pay more for. Yeah, but what's the stair step between these? All these. I agree. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing in the next five years of where do these bourbons sit? <laughs> yeah. Well, they've done a good job with old fits, and we'll get into it later. But price wise, they've been basically ten dollars per year, close to. Yep every time yeah i feel like that's perfectly okay they've set a standard and they've stuck to it that's great yeah i agree how about the 1792 12 year that's coming out i'm pumped i'm yes. excited for it yes please yeah um i don't know if i've ever had barton juice that old before i don't think i have either actually you know what pretty sure that cream of kentucky is barton sourced it could be, yeah. I'm I'm not hundred percent sure on that one, but it But that's eleven and a half years. I had that so. and I wasn't super excited. So I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping this is better than that. I hope so too. I mean that will go into our whole seventeen ninety two episode that'll come out next week. Or next week. Next month for sure. Um I I am excited for it. I think it's gonna be a good product. There aren't a whole lot of 12-year-old bottles out there anymore. I hope they do pics of it. Oh, oh there wow. you go. That's going to be the money. Because they did bottle and bond picks. Yes, they did. And a lot of them. Yep. So I'm hoping they've got 12-year picks. Um, um, how about Makers 101? That's one of the ones that... There's three specifically that are flying under the radar for me. That's one of them. I'm going to be driving to Laredo to probably pick one up. I more than likely will, too. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, what, July? Or August when that comes out. I think out. they said July. They said it was going to be a month, and the article came out about a week from earlier. Yeah. yeah so it's probably like 25th or so it came out. But I'm, I'm excited for it. I want to put it directly up against Wild Turkey 101. Oh, heck yeah. Anytime somebody comes out with a proof that's 101 proof, you're like, I see who you're testing. Okay, but. You're going, <laughs> you're going out at the Russells, man. I mean, I just like the idea of like the master distiller from... <laughs> from Wild Turkey and the Master Distiller from like makers getting together in a boxing ring and going at it. Like that's it's just phenomenal. I would like to do two different flights. I'd like to do a flight of just one oh one proofs. Mm-hmm. Um once this is available. And then I would also like to do a flight of just the makers releases. Yeah. Because now we have um we have regular makers, we have forty six We'll have 101, and we'll have the cast strength. Yeah, and the private I mean, select? Depending. Well, yeah, sure. But I, I, I would exclude the private select just because um, they're so... They they differ so much from pick to pick mm-hmm. um, that I think that if we went with the those you know core four, uh, that would be a really interesting 
flight to have. You know what I'd like to see them do with the Makers 101? I'd like to see all their commemorative bottles that come out be replaced with 101. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the UK. Oh, that's a UK. great idea. I'd love to see it because then it would be distillery exclusive and like commemorative exclusive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what? That can be fun. I, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, that is interesting. I don't know if that'll happen just because. Oh, no, it definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to, but it definitely yeah. won't happen. Because Keeneland has, like, every single year, they have the commemorative bottle mm-hmm. signing with, like, whoever it is that year. I don't see it changing in the next couple of years, but, I mean. Make it happen, I'm Kurt. All for it. I mean, <laughs> I'm all for it. I don't have that power. <laughs> The the next one too that I want to talk about. This has been brought up a lot recently, but that Knob Creek is going to be getting its age statement back of nine years uh, and more and more. But I think that what I understand is that's going to be the limited release for this year. Yes, apparently it's getting another age statement in the form of twelve years. Mm-hmm. Here's my thoughts on that. At nine years in a hundred proof, it's really good. Is it as good at 12 years and 100 proof? Because that's more water that they have to add. So here, here's my thing. I think everyone's looking at Elijah Craig barrel proof and seeing that 12-year mark and think they are knocking it out of the park. Mm. And they just want some of that. That's true. The, also, we are drinking the Knob Creek 9-year yeah. small batch 100 proof. So I'm oh, I'm excited so for that that 12 year because I just want the I just want the richness and the depth to come in, especially since they're doing 14, 15 year picks of the Knob yeah. Creek. There's some people that would just prefer it at 100 proof. It may not be my favorite thing, but for them that's that's perfect. Yeah, you know for sure. Um, and then the nine year coming back, thank goodness. I'm all about it. There's so many people that were like devastated over Elijah Craig dropping the 12 and I don't see them ever going back to that and that's perfectly fine the fact that they dropped it because they're like we don't have the stocks for this right now and then brought it back it shows that they saw that they you know either made a mistake or that people really wanted right where it was at but they they had to make an adjustment temporarily Mm. because there's so many people that are like I'm going to make a temporary fix and that becomes the permanent yeah I'm, I'm glad that they're they're coming back again and that's just to go back to the being hopeful about the bourbon community and bourbon industry. Yeah. Like they are really taking, they're taking our input into account. They're mm-hmm. I, I oh, really yeah. feel like that absolutely distilleries are looking out for their customers. So Jim Beam, if you're listening, thank you um. <laughs> so much. And the bakers, that's coming. Oh out. yeah, bakers is going to be a single barrel, single barrel, and nine years old. Right? Nine year, I believe so. Can you imagine doing a baker's barrel pick? That'd be wonderful. My eyes rolled back in my head. <laughs> so Jim Beam, if you're listening. <laughs> Man, that would be a great first barrel pick for uh, this My Bourbon podcast to do. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. yeah. So we need good. to start talking about that. I think that that's something we could probably do within the next six months or so. I think so. It'd, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that, that's cool. that's to come. That that's throwing it out there. And everything. Um, Rebel Yell 100 proof. I'm excited for that. Not a whole lot of uh, 100 proof weeded bourbons out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm yeah I'm excited for this. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what the availability is going to be like, but you know. Well, they've already got one, and it's their, it's their, um, oh, what is it? The ten year, it clocks in at hundred. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah. If it's even a portion of that, and it's readily available, I am all over yeah, it no because. Doubt. There's so many people that look at Rebel Yell like, that's the garbage that sits on the bottom shelf. And <laughs> then they have that tenure and they're like, I need to revisit their entire collection. Which is like it, tenure in Rebel Yell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got quite a bit. Avoid there. this bourbon at all costs. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> so bad. It is. A, that is a funny story because I, there was somebody that was like, oh, I'm getting really into bourbon and i saw oh is that the 10 year rebel yell it was at a bar and, I was, and they were like rebel yell <laughs> and i said i said i, I know. hope it was in that voice too. It was. i had to do this a little bit with you too because i was like i found a bottle of you rebel did, yell yeah. 10 and you were just like yeah what else you got <laughs> you were like listen get this and i was like i know it sounds terrible and they were like i don't want to spend that money for that and I was like, I know it sounds terrible. Just, just give trust it a me. shot. Just trust. Just me. shut up and give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tried it, and was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The next one on my list is the Wild Turkey Masters Keep Cornerstone Rye. I'm nervous about this one. I am really excited for it. I can see why you're excited, and you know, being on your rye kick, that's that's great. But I'm nervous. Still because, on it. Yeah. I'm just nervous because rice don't sell too well in gift shops and stuff, and I don't. I just don't know. I mean, you're gonna get the initial release of like everyone that collects it is gonna pick it up, but I don't know. I hope it's magnificent. That's great because I do like their one-on-one rye, and it's hopefully gonna be resem- like resemble that with extra age. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the the one-on-one rye. This is actually gonna be 109 mm, okay. uh, proof. And it's a blend of nine and eleven year old barrels. Well, nine nine to eleven year old barrels. It's all wild turkey juice. Fifty two percent rye, thirty six percent corn, twelve percent malted barley. Um, cast strength, non chill filtered. Not a whole lot of cast strength and non chill filtered rye whiskeys on the market. I know that Masters Keep tends to skew a little bit more towards the the premium side. Mm-hmm of uh, of whiskeys but i don't know man i think this is going to be something pretty solid once it comes out yeah i could see that i hope this is the new booker's rye to be honest i'd love that for them that'd be great just super collectible everyone loves it Mm -hmm. it's for bourbon drinkers not rye drinkers i'd love to see that from them yeah because they deserve it, man. They put so oh, they much totally quality do. product out there, and they keep getting labeled as the college drinkers, you know, shooting whiskey, and that's just rough. For grandpa's bourbon. Grandpa's bourbon, yeah. <laughs> they just feel like they're demographics all over the place, when really, it should be on your bar cart all the time. Kurt can find Unless me you're it. Curtis. Yeah, unless you're Kurt. But... Which is fine. Don't. <laughs> no, we're not upset with you about it at all. I am, but it's Which fine. I'm not. Hey, man. Don't, hey, no, 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 no. This is not what this My Bourbon Podcast is about. Listen, we need to fight. We were, we were, <laughs> we were, we were mad at the beginning of this. We can fight. It's all good. We were mad halfway through. We're going to be mad at the end. Anyway. I will say, Rare Breed, that should be on everyone's cart. I agree with that. I agree with that. Because that, Rare Breed is something special. 
<coughs> and I hope they always keep that as a line for wild turkey. I don't know if it's has it always been. It has been. They so it's. I think it came a little bit later than the one hundred and one and the eighty one proof that they did. You good? Alright. It came a little bit later than the one oh one and the eighty one proof that they did. Um, but they do I think they're on their fourth or fifth release of it. Yeah. They just keep changing it a little bit. Mm. Um and the proof and which is, is great because it seems like at least from the I know the episode that we did, they they kind of seem like they're improving and adding more mm. depth to it. Um, which is fantastic. And the Kentucky Spirit, is that what it is that they yeah. put out? Yeah, I mean, some of those picks are phenomenal. It's all coming out at 101 proof. It's another great one to keep on your bar. Yeah, for me, like, (laughs) I'm just sitting there going, it's literally anything other than 101 that I'm I'm always on board. So I'm curious because (laughs) this is basically 12 to 15-year-old 101 finished. Okay. Finished in what? Oloroso Sherry Casks. You got to give me a second. I'm sorry. I was just. <laughs> it went down the wrong way and like how it like burns all of your esophagus. Yeah. yeah. That's what happened with me earlier. And yeah, I barely I need, made I it. To, I need to take a second. Because. I mean, Rare Breed. Kentucky Spirit. Russell's. <laughs> <laughs> What sort of men in black shit is coming out of you right now? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I think I could smell what you had for dinner. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's a good thing this is my microphone. (laughs) I would not want to imagine a pop filter in front of your microphone. Like I, I don't know what it is. Literally everything, except the long, long branch, and uh, that's got an audience. That's not me. Yeah, long branch and one hundred and one. Those two. It's not me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, let's. Just, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to get this. I'm sorry. Back on the on let's the rails here. Over. <laughs> so you, you don't like one hundred and one that much. It's totally fine, but we're. I've got um, Wild Turkey Revival. I'm gonna go ahead. And, yeah. So I've poured some of this. It's it's 12 to 15 years old. It's finished in Oloroso Sherry casks. So I'm curious to see if like that changes it a little bit for you, because I have to imagine it's you know it's still 101. Uh, hopefully it it kind of bites some of that characteristic off for you. I I feel like it probably will, just with the sherry cask, but mm. we'll see. I really wish that I could have this with a cigar. Um, it it smells very tobacco on the nose. He's making a face. Get out of here. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying this is really, really good. Okay. Oh, it no. was a good face. Yeah, this is You made a, num- a, a, a yummy noise. Yeah. That's good. It just, it even, it smooths it out, man. Yeah, it, it does smooths, a little bit. It smooths everything out. It takes all the rough edges that 101 gives me and just 
smooths it all out. I think it's the extra age, mm-hmm. not necessarily the finishing car- Sherry Cass. I'm all for it. I'm I'm all for this. I wish they had a regular release that was finished somehow. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's why this release came out because the the original turkey sherry cask finish didn't work. I mean, it just just straight up didn't work. Sherry um, signature. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And with sherry like sherry cask finishes, a lot of the time you are very it's very well known that it is finished in sherry cask. It is, yeah. And this Honestly, uh, it yeah. I, if you didn't tell me, I'm not sure I would be able to pick it out. That's true. <clears throat> it's got a, it's got a little bit, but it. I, I think it might just because I know it's there. Yeah, I mean it has a little bit, but I just think that they're doing something different than any other finished in carry sherry cast. Like the Bell Meads that we had. Oh yeah, that's just gonna slap you in the face with yeah. whatever it's yeah. finished in. For sure. They said it's pretty finicky too. Like I know that Jefferson's has talked about this, that basically they they sweat the barrels quite a bit in a lot of these finishing processes, and that sometimes you know they have to check it almost daily because it could be that it's in there for forty two days and it's finished. Right. Could be that it takes three months. Yeah. Um, and comparatively to the 12 to 15 years just sat in a turkey barrel in one of their warehouses that's nothing yeah i mean it doesn't take long to do the finishing process no no not at all um we will round out the the rest of this year's releases i mean it it, it's easy to talk about you know the antique collection the the van week collection um four rows of small batch limited edition that's inevitably going to be coming out at the end of the year too um the rest of the bookers releases too but i think that the highlight for the rest of this year actually comes from buffalo trace Mm -hmm. and there are four big releases that are going to be coming out the first one is the e.h taylor amaranth grain of the gods um i'm really really excited for this just because i've had it and i know how good it is um there from what i understand over the past couple of weeks, they've actually been bottling it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see it hit the market pretty soon uh, in in the second half of 2019. I've not had anything bad from, except for maybe, you know, a couple of single barrels, but from the E.H. Taylor line. Um, in this case, I think this is going to be a, a great addition to the E.H. Taylor line of products from Buffalo Trace. The Old Charter French Oak um, also is a product that I've had in the past, uh, bourbon that's aged in French oak barrels instead of American oak barrels. Uh, It's going to have a little bit more of, I would say, a wine characteristic uh, than a bourbon, Uh, but it does still maintain some of the bourbon aspects that we kind of, we know and love and everything. There's a pretty big release that's going to be coming out, though, this year that, I mean, it that has been passed by the TTB, but hasn't been announced by Buffalo Trace yet. Uh, the Elmer T. Lee 100-Year Tribute Bottle. Mm-hmm. I'm here for yeah. it, man. <laughs> 
Aged a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an empty bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got it's got a half ounce in it. <laughs> Literally the last drop. Just shoved a stave. It's just barrel shavings. Ooh. <laughs> no, I'm excited for it. Get a lot of splinters. <laughs> when you're drinking it? Yeah. <laughs> just all down your tongue. Yeah. No, I'm excited for it. I think this is going to be a, a, a really cool bottle. I want to try this not secondary value. Um, if I can find this, you know, on the primary market, I would be all for it. I know that this is easily going to go for like three hundred to five hundred dollars on secondary. Yeah. Uh, when it when it actually drops, but I'm I'm excited for it. I I have again cautious optimism for it once it actually comes out but yeah the final one though that i cannot wait for and i know that i I think that this is the most recent release that we're looking at or the soonest release that we're looking at the weller 114 seven year old foolproof knowing that there are organizations stores groups whatever in lexington who have already picked this and that it's going to be coming out soon i'm like freaking out over this like i'm i'm so ready to have at least one bottle of it and i know it's 50 dollars a bottle but a, a a foolproof weller i'm so excited for it yeah. i just can't wait yeah. i i I was sitting as, here as going t- like, when are you going to mention this? <laughs> you kept like saying all the different yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, releases that are coming out. And I'm like, is he going to get to it? No, I, it was it was the one that I, I wanted to say for the grand finale. I think that this is going to be what a lot of people are going to be holding out for. Um, aside from the, the Van Winkle and the antique collection bottles you know i i think that this is just going to be something that's on everybody's radar uh you know between that and some of the limited releases from heaven hill i think this is at the top of everybody's list i got two that we haven't mentioned that are the top of my yeah please go ahead first one four roses limited edition i think i mentioned it in passing but yes i agree with you either way excited about that one the wilderness trail single barrels Oh heck yeah! I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, absolutely, because I, I one of our listeners and friends also just did a pick of this. I am super excited for it. Adam Terry just did a pick. Hopefully, when it comes out, I can get a bottle. Um, but it's at least one. At, at least one case. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm just so excited for it because I I love their profile and I think that you know having different characteristics is going to be great because I I have to imagine. With it being four years old, they had to get a little crafty with the blending. And for me, this is going to be a great insight to what an actual four-year bottled and bond barrel is like. Which is just going to be yeah. great. Because I don't get that that much. I'm not going on barrel picks. You know, it's I, I just want to see what different barrels are like. And I know New Riff and Wilderness Trail and when Castle and Heat comes out, they're going to be doing some blending to get a very specific profile, which is totally fine. But I want I want the raw product, mm-hmm. so that's that's gonna be nice to see that come out. 
Anyway, uh, that is our look back and look forward to 2019. I brought something kind of interesting to the table for us to review for this week's episode. It's yeah. the the 13-year-old Old Fitz Bottled and Bond. It's the uh, 2019 spring release. I am really freaking excited for this. I will say, though, I would like to, for us, in order to acclimate our palates, um, try what is now the defunct version of Old Fitz Bottled and Bond, non-age dated and, and everything. I've got this handle sitting here on the table. I figure that, you know... We could take a little bit of time just to, you know, cleanse our palates, uh, reacclimate ourselves to what is essentially a weeded bottle and bond product from Heaven Hill. So I, I, I say let's go ahead and try this first before we f- do a full deep dive into our review. Can I get more of this? Like I just want I want Heaven Hill to make more of this. Oh, I want a handle of this in such a bad way. I don't have a whole lot of it left. I mean, have as much as you want. I honestly don't mind. Oh, I have to be able to drive, so no. Old, old Fitz <laughs> has been one that I've never gotten into. Not that I've never liked it. It's just I've never had the opportunity of drinking this, so I'm like really excited about this. Oh, okay. This. Cool. This was another product that uh, Heaven Hill purchased from what was essentially the Stitzel Weller distillery. Um, Old Fitz was produced there for a really long time. Um, and then they, they took over this, this brand. It wasn't up until, you know, a couple of years ago that the, the standard Old Fitz bottle and bond product was discontinued by Heaven Hill, which is such a shame because I really do enjoy this bottle. Again, I probably have about five, six ounces left here. Maybe. Maybe more like four. One Perry pour later, he's two ounces. <laughs> I got the fun stopper in. <laughs> the fun stopper. Yeah, the handles come with fun stoppers. They're more of a let's keep Perry safe stopper. <laughs> Somehow it didn't work. I didn't pour that much. Comparatively, I poured, I, I poured more than you guys, but I didn't pour that much. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Ah, oh, this is so this is so good, man. Wow. And just knowing like the price of this, what would you? This is a good question. What would you price this at? I mean, I haven't tasted it on the palate yet. I would say taste it before you answer that question. Because yeah. based off the nose, it's special. But that also could be. Me transitioning just from a regular rocks glass to sure Glencairn. to the north yeah the, to the Glencairn. We're talking retail. Mm-hmm. Retail. I think I would sit at like sixty, seventy. Wasn't this like thirty-eight? I think for a handle it was thirty. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. No, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It's so no, good. It really doesn't. Yeah. It's I was so like, good. I'm just trying to <laughs> justify this. No, a handle of this was about 30 bucks. It's like $10 more than getting a handle of like JTS handle, Brown or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I think a handle of this should probably be at like 85 Yeah. It's it's great. I mean, it's... So, yeah. the only my only complaint for this bourbon is at times 
it seems a little corn forward, and I think it's just because I'm so used to having some of the rye in their mash bill. I think that that is a product of just just being a weeded bourbon. Yeah, you know, we we talked last week about how we kind of went through the same period where, you know, with Larceny, we didn't, and I mean, this is the same distillery, mm-hmm. same mash bill, too. Just a different age, just different proof and product and everything. We we just went through a, a, a phase where we couldn't drink it as much. Yeah. I could drink this all day right now. Oh, I think the proof has been a saving <laughs> grace for this. If it was lower, I don't I can't say that I would like it as much. And I mean if you look at the eighty proof that they're offering now, I I don't think I've ever bought a bottle of that. Well, keep in mind though. Again, same mash bill, roughly the same year. Larceny is 92 proof. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, it's right in the middle there. I don't know. So Larceny is pretty new, and it definitely was a replacement to this under a different name with a different, slightly different proof. I'm okay with that. Do I still wish this was around? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Heck yes. Yeah, I mean... Heck yes. This is just... And they just needed an upgrade, and they did in a huge way. Uh, but it upgraded the price as well. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. So no kidding. Yeah, I mean, I think th- I agree with you on the saving grace is a little bit of the it being the proof. Yeah, which is to don't get me wrong because the eighty proof. If it's at eighty proof, I would be like, okay, come on. <laughs> come on. Well, that being said, though the eighty six proof that has since been discontinued mm-hmm. in favor of an 80 proof the 86 proof was fantastic i really you, I, like doing a stream and thinking eh, you know i'll revisit it why not and you're like actually this is pretty good yeah <laughs> this is yep. pretty darn good i like it quite a bit but we do have something else on the table and that would be the spring release of the old fitz bottle and bond from heaven hill it is 13 years old mm-hmm. and 100 proof on the shelf at $130. I love the bottles. So I love much. this decanter. It's so yeah. pretty. <laughs> it's I, I love the classic feel to it. Um I so I, I, I want to say something about this bottle too. I got this in a trade with uh, uh, friends of the show, married with bourbon. Uh, you can find them on Instagram if you'd like to. Um, unfortunately, this did leak a little bit in transition, but what was kind of cool about it is that the leaked bourbon aged the label a little bit. So it looks a little bit older than, uh, (laughs) than it it actually is. Yeah. Um, the cork is super hefty as you can hear from that. Um, that's nuts. It's, uh, I, I want to go ahead and say this. I tried a little bit of this earlier, Mm -hmm. um, just so I could understand what I was getting into. And I've had, I think I've had all three of last year's releases of the old Fitzbottle Bond too. But I wanted to make sure that, you know, my palate was in the right place. My brain was in the right place before I really got into this. I kind of wish they'd take a note from Booker's book on this a little bit. 
they're they keep they've got the green back again, which I thought was associated with the eleven year, and I was hoping it would be more of a radical color change because they've already had green, black, and red on the old fits. Yeah, but the the old old fits bottom and bond has green. I know, but like the red old fits bottle and bond that they had for the fourteen year. Oh, I love that bottle. Yeah, and then they had a black for the nine year, and then they had a green for the eleven year. Maybe they're doing green and black as alternating fall and spring releases. Who knows? I just wanted something crazy. Like if it showed up and it was purple, I wouldn't be that mad. <laughs> I don't know. Like imagine taking this bottle after you're completely done with it. And taking the labels off, taking everything off of it, just stripping it. Dude, that would be a beautiful The best decanter. decanter. Yeah. Yep. So the cool thing is, is I've actually, I go thrift shopping a lot. Just because I, I reuse quite a bit. Like a lot of my clothes are from Goodwill. I just prefer to do that. That's what I like doing. I go to Peddler's Malls all the time. You can actually find this decanter from original release with nothing in it on the on random shelves. So, like, I've gone in and on two to three different occasions found Old Fitz Distillery decanters from, like, the 70s and 80s just on the shelf with the corks all broken down and the same topper and everything just sitting on the shelf. Hmm. It's nuts. I mean, it's not even an old school feel. It's just old school. Like, it, they, yeah. they just completely redid the label, slapped it on there, put new juice in there. And I love that. It's kind of the maker's mark-ish thing where they just like, I have no reason to change the label, so I'm not. You know what I love? Yeah. The nose. I got caught up in talking how it looks. It smells pretty <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> the juice is probably better. It's really sweet on the nose. I think that is, mm-hmm. you know, just a product of it being a, a, a weeded bourbon. Yep. But I am getting more butterscotch and caramel than I am anything on the nose. There's actually a little bit of like like a bananas foster note there too, where it's that kind of um browned banana. Mm, I'm getting that a little bit. Not not a ton. I'm definitely getting the caramel notes and stuff. It's almost like those like cheap nuts that you put on top of ice cream a little bit. Oh, pralines? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I'm getting that a little bit. Which those are not, I wouldn't even say those are a nutty. I'm getting a fried plantain. See, I think that's what I'm what I'm a getting. Fried at. plantain. Yeah. Those are some weird bananas, man. <laughs> <laughs> see, fried plantains though like have that caramelization. It has right. that Oh, it's just good. Have you ever had fried plantains though? I've actually not had them. I've had them in, uh, there's a little tiny restaurant like within 200 feet of my house that does a lot of uh, dishes with plantains in them. You need to have traditional fried plantains because it's such a, like specifically a traditional dish, like a Hispanic dish. Oh, it's so good. It tastes like, because plantains are like just in its original form is terrible. (sighs) Yeah, they're not great. They, they look aren't. like weird bananas. <laughs> yes. Fried plantains, you get like a a sugary, like all the sugars released after you fry them, and you get this caramelization. Oh, okay. This sugary 
kind of sweet smell that you're getting, but it's not like a banana. I might have to try that place next to me. I, I bet they probably do that. I see all of that. I totally do. Um, I get a little bit of like a, a toasted marshmallow note as well on the nose. There is definitely something leafy green on the nose. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Um, it might be like a banana leaf, but I, I I cannot quite pick it out. I don't know. This is interesting. The fact that you're just getting such a broad spectrum of nuts. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those moments that I'm like specific. This is what it is. Yeah. The, the palette to me is a lot darker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Than than the noses, I'm getting tobacco notes, um, a little bit of like, I I honestly it it's not even real leather, it's synthetic leather that I'm finding on the palette. Um, I'm still finding that green note. There's kind of a spicy like like pepper note. That's what I was going to it as well, like like a like a chili or a red pepper, which is weird for a for a weeded bourbon. See, I was getting more of a cracked pepper. I could see that. Yeah, it's in the pepper family. Yeah, but I I definitely see, you know, a a, a pepper note in there. I'm gonna wow. disagree with you guys a little bit. I think the nose holds over to the palate pretty pretty well. I definitely get a little more of the darker notes, the pepper, but the initial stuff is just tightened for me. I guess more on the finish. Back of the palate to the finish is where I'm getting the cracked pepper. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The leather tobacco notes. Mm -hmm. The finish is amazing. No, I think so too. I usually look towards like 115 plus for the really, really strong like honey you know, drip down your throat type finishes that I associate with like a four or five in our, our process that we do. But this is strong. This is really strong. Yeah. If only I could just buy this daily. <laughs> <laughs> this is not one of the best bourbons I've had in the past year. It's not, but I think as far as like just what you, I think it's worth the purchase to me. I I like it quite a bit, but I think I I like the 11 year better, which is strange because typically people associate age with quality. I think that that's a whole nother topic to get into. Yeah. Is the misconception of age to quality. Just based on this, though, <clears throat> I have liked the 11-year-old better. Mm-hmm. The 14-year-old, though, far superior to this. Far, far superior to this. Could have been distilling season, could have been, you know, just the barrels that they selected from and everything, but I think that this is good just not nearly as good as the 14 year from last year was. That being said, though, I think that we need to go ahead and start dissecting this in our review system. 
we have a system of nose palette finish and price each category is out of five and then we tally it up for a total out of 20 anybody want to go first uh yeah i i think the nose is probably the strong one of the strongest points for me on this i think honestly it's a 3.5 that's exactly what i gave it yeah i i think it's it brings a note that I don't get from a lot of other bourbons, which I personally think is phenomenal. And I, I also like the idea that it's a, it, it's a weeder. So I'm, I'm not getting a ton of, you know, rye spice or heavy spice, but it's still bringing a lot of interesting sweet notes to it that carry through on the palate. And I know the palate probably shouldn't play into the nose as much, but consistency for me is, is big and it kind of shows quality off and they definitely did it with this one for me i actually the the more time that i've spent with the nose the more that i've liked it it reminds me of curtis and i've been there together but new orleans um mm-hmm. it it has that just sugary atmosphere to it it smells like there there's something really specific in the air in new orleans that that i i just absolutely love whether it's you know the the baked dough from cafe du monde or beignets yeah exactly but it it just seems to emulate that and while it's not perfect or not the best nose i think that it again is about a 3.5 for me it is so inviting and i i i want to have more of this on the nose i would to quote somebody um i'd make a candle out of this (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree yeah for the nose i'm gonna up the ante a little bit and put it at a four wow all right. I know that's kind of a bold number for it, but it's such... And, and this is more... me. I love weeded bourbons. And the nose on this is just so sweet, so fried plantain. I guess one thing that I would say I wish I had a little more of was the floral note. I wish I had a little bit of that floral note that usually some of those weeded bourbons would have. But I, overall, I think this is such a solid nose. I could see like a Four Roses style floral note in this yeah. being phenomenal. There was a note on the nose that I I was failing to pick up on, and it's very specifically like I, a clementine or a, a mm. whatever those small oranges are. Mm-hmm. I it It's definitely present on the nose. The nose for me, though, does not translate into the palate. The palate is like totally left field from from the nose. It starts introducing like brown sugar notes. It starts introducing definitely those wheat wheat notes. Um, some of the corn flavors as well. Um, I almost get a molasses flavor to it as well. Um and I think that there's a, a floral note as well um, that I was missing on the nose that I'm finally picking up on on the palate. 
I think the palettes were really pretty good in 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 a different way from the nose. But I would say still as good as the nose. So I'm going to again give it a 3.5. Interesting. Yeah. See, for me, I think the nose was the best part and the strongest part for me. Mm-hmm. For the palette, I gave it a three. I thought it was good. It somewhat translated some of the sweetness to it. It had more of the caramel, kind of the cinnamon notes. But I don't think that it translated that sweet banana, like fried plantain note that I wanted. Because mm-hmm. it was so... It was so nice to have that fried plantain on the nose. I wanted it not to be prevalent there on the palate, but just enough. Sure. Just a little hint of like, hey, we're going to continue this through to that point. And that's where I was like, "Mm." but I kind of want more of that. So with that, I gave it a three. I gave it a three for a different reason, actually. There was notes on the the palette that I thought I would have rather seen on the nose. Like I, I got more of the floral, like you said, on the palette. I got a little bit more of the dark notes on the palette, but it just, I don't know. For me, it didn't seem like it was a complete transition from the nose. Like I wanted it to, I got some of the plantains. It wasn't enough. I don't know. It it feels like it's a little confused. It's doing, it's doing some things that I really like as far as like transitioning from nose to palate to finish, but it's not a smooth transition exactly. Start, stop. Yeah. I get that. I don't know. So it leaves me kind of conflicted with the palate, but it's not bad by any means. It's just middle of the road. And for, you know, a bourbon of this price, I kind of expected a little bit more, I guess. So I'm just going to leave it at a three. What about the finish, though? Finish? I actually thought that was a little bit stronger in the palette. I gave it a three and a half. It got a little darker. Uh, kind of went into some of those notes. Like, you know when you caramelize something and you bare, just almost barely burn it a little bit? And it gets into that kind of like crispy caramelization? Yeah. yeah. It's got a little bit of that on the, on the yeah. finish. I get that. And, you know, the, the oak really starts to show up on the finish, which is great because it's 13 years. You're expecting it at this point. Um, and it's some like George T. Stagg style dark notes start showing up. Not nearly as in-depth, but, you know, it's starting to get there. Um, which could have been why we thought the 14 was maybe a little bit better is just because some of those notes stood out a little bit more. Uh, but I, I think it's a three and a half. I give mine a 3.25, which I usually don't do. <laughs> it's just in between. Sure. It's in between a three and a half and a three. Just because I think it has something to do with that start-stop motion yeah. of like, nose stop <laughs> palette stop <laughs> and i really i really like the pepper notes the the tobacco notes that i was getting uh more of those darker kind of feels i didn't get as much of the kind of oak barrel that i was kind of wanting or some of those darker chocolatey notes that i was hoping yeah. for i just got an overwhelmingly sense of pepper like a pepper spice 
to right. me. Which is totally different from what the nose was. So with that, I think 3.25, I was like, it's good. It's just totally, it's different. It's so different from what it started at. So I'm going to do something I've never done before. Um, I'm going to give the nose, the palette, and the finish the exact same value. It's all three going to be 3.5. Um, I think that the the nose introduces something really unique. Um, so does the palette. And I think that once it gets to the finish, it incorporates both of those aspects into a way that isn't trying to challenge one or the other. Um, I think that they kind of entertain each other and invite each other to be a part of what they're, and I know that this is kind of a, you know, a metaphorical way of explaining why I enjoy this, but it's one or the other is not overpowering. I think that they, they play well together. Um, where some of the sweeter notes on the nose are present, the, the darker notes on the palette tend to accept them and kind of play off of them. Um, once it gets to the finish, um, you know, I, I think that this is a really, really well-balanced whiskey. I think overall it is, I mean, it, it, if somebody were to go, what's one of the easier drinkers or one of the more approachable drinkers, I would say this, um, just because, you know, you're not having a fight throughout all of it. It just has something for everybody. I could definitely see that. And it's nice that it's 100 proof. It makes it approachable. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's bottled and bond, man. Yeah. yeah. Can't go wrong. 100 proof bottled and bond. Yeah. There's something. That's a special point. Which leads me, of course, to the price, which I gave a four. And that leads me to a 14.5 out of 20. Um... I know that this is in the realm of, I would say, semi-premium brands. I think this one is worth it. I think that if you are looking at the, the back row of bourbons at a store and you're not entirely sure, I think this could be up your alley. I think it's approachable too. Th- th- this is one of the better things I've had this year. I will say that much. See, I, I, I lean towards more of thinking like if, if I was going to give something a four, I'd probably pay. I think about paying secondary for it. If I was giving it a five, if I saw it on secondary, I'd grab it. This one, if I could get it at retail, I'd grab it. I don't know if I'd do it if it was secondary. I, I gave it a three. I think it was definitely appropriately priced. I mean, you're looking at $10 a year. I feel like that's probably fair. It's just, it's it's nuanced, but it's not consistently nuanced throughout the entire experience for me. So I gave it a, a three. Um, there's other releases I had from them that I liked better. This is definitely not bad. 
by any means. I mean, this is, if you see this in a bar, definitely try it. Give it a try. But um, if, if you're just seeking out a bottle just for just to say that you have an old Fitz and you're looking at paying secondary, maybe look at grabbing the 14 or the 11. I, I just, they're a preference for me. So, I don't know. For me, that's going to leave me at a 13. So, it's not too bad. Still leaving it in that kind of uh, maybe just grab it at a bar range as opposed to buying it, but yeah, it's all going to come down to price that you you know that you actually find this at because so many people are going to look at the fancy decanter as soon as it comes in and think, but I can fetch two hundred for that, and they can <laughs> at least yeah. So I give mine a three as well. I just. It's really good. Yeah. I think it's a good bourbon. I would recommend it for somebody to try it, at least. I think the price point's just a little too high for what you're getting. I just, I guess, it's more in the fact that I want it to be more of a transition, like a gradient, where it starts, kind of transitions into this. Yeah. I feel like it's a little too... Full stop, full start, full stop, full start. Yeah, um, I get that. And I think the price point, I think it's a good price point just in the sense that, you know, you're not going to be able to find that kind of stuff. Um, so with that, I mean, I gave it a 13.25. So it's definitely a recommend. Like I would, if you see this, you should definitely try it. I don't know if I would say, like, buy a whole bottle. This is my first bottle from this series. So, you know, last year, Heaven Hill announced that they were going to be doing a, a seasonal release of their Old Fitz Bottle and Bond. Um, it was going to vary in year and distilling season and everything. And this is my first one that I've owned. I love this bottle i think that the bottle itself is probably worth well, okay 60 to 70 dollars regardless of the juice that's inside of it um it's a a beautiful display piece um i think that you know people will come up to it and talk about it ask you about it and everything I just, I don't have anything wrong with this bottle. Um, I understand that it's pricey. I get it. Uh, I got this in basically a trade, you know, for a couple of bottles. It is what it is. I think, okay, I mean, taking that into consideration, I think I would up it to a 3.5 for the price, which puts me at a 14 yeah, it's not the be- like best. No, thing it's I've de- had. it's, it's good. definitely not the best. It's really good. Yeah, I I think that it it, it it's weird because I feel like we should have been more excited about this. I've been excited about this. I love this bottle. Um, I've tried to show you guys how excited I am about it. Yeah, and like I understand that you're not, but like. I think this is an interesting, exciting, special bottle 
for for me for us and i yeah so like 14 you gave it a uh 14.5 that's not far off and you give it 13 yeah yeah no i i think it's it's good i'm curious to see what it's like when it opens up more oh yeah because sometimes i've had bourbons especially like in recent the four roses limited edition from 2017 that thing was phenomenal when i opened it and now it's a whole different animal and it's in a good way so i mean it's it's really kind of not flattened out is going to be a bad way to put it but become more consistent from nose palate and finish I mean that's that's what I I want from this. That's the only thing holding this back. Um, because the fried plantain thing that we've we've kind of pegged this bourbon with, I can't think of anything else that's got that flavor. No, I can't either. No, no. And you know it's so unique that if you're thinking, man, every time I go to the restaurant that you know has fried plantains, I get them. You're go go pick this up. Like this is this is your thing. Yep. Um, but as somebody that's never had them, I'm just like, yeah, maybe this is not my, it's not my thing. I can't relate to it as much, I guess. I but, would definitely try it. Oh, well, if I you mean, haven't have had them, know. you should try it. Yeah. Obviously I need to get cultured, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I can't relate to it as much as, as everyone else here. So I mean, that's probably why my score is a little bit lower. It's not that I'm not excited about it. Cause trust me, all the old Fitz releases have been phenomenal. <laughs> And the bottle's beautiful, and it's like, you, well, you know, I can't believe I spent that much money on it. And then you get finished with a bottle, and you're like, oh, wait, I still have the bottle. <laughs> I still got the whole bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I think unanimously, it's like a mostly recommend, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Oh, I think it's a recommend. Yeah. It's a recommend, and if you kind of identify with the, the notes that we mentioned, then this is a definite recommend. Yeah, for sure. But that does not exclude us from tips and bits. So we have to finish out the show with tips and bits where we recommend things that don't necessarily have to be bourbon, but, you know, if we've been enjoying something recently, we want you to enjoy it as well. So, gentlemen, what are your tips and bits this week? I got one. This is kind of a cop-out, but also something I've been watching recently again. The Office. Damn it. <laughs> that was going to be my tips and bits. Right? It's, Dude, it's such before, a good show. Before it leaves Netflix, please, please watch it. Because I feel like half my yeah. humor is made up from The Office. Yeah. yeah. And I need that. I need that to continue. Yeah. As soon as Michael Scott leaves, you can also leave. But it's it's still... Uh, even then, it's still pretty it's solid, though. It's not that bad after he leaves. <sighs> didn't like it that much it's not great but it's not as bad as people thought it was the cringe factor goes down after he leaves yeah yeah and if the first like three seasons first four seasons (laughs) that's the prime it's it's phenomenal the first season like the first couple episodes it's a little rough just because you're getting identified with the characters but then you go back and watch it after you're established perfect oh it's so good it's yeah. so good but that that would that would be my tips and bits if i have to come up with another one uh jesse reyes just came out with a new album i don't know if you guys have ever heard of those of her she her voice is phenomenal it's it's just it's something to listen to she some of the music maybe is not my thing it kind of goes out of my realm of stuff but her voice is phenomenal and if you've 
you've probably heard her and don't even know it because she has a lot of features. Like, uh, she did two features on the new Eminem album. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, I don't know. She's she's great, man. Oh, clear. Definitely recommend <laughs> it. That's so funny. My, mine was going to be The Office as well. Like, just before it gets, like, kicked off Netflix, like, yeah. definitely go watch it. But... If we're going something else, then I would say Over the Rhine in oh, Cincinnati. Man. Yeah. If you have Absolutely. a chance to go in Cincinnati, Ohio, go to Over the Rhine. There's so many places to eat. It's such a good kind of like area to be at. Uh, there's the Eagle, Pontiac. There's Finley Market. There's just anything and everything. All food. All There's Rheingeist, which is a brewery. Um, all those kind of things, they're just really fun to be at. So, over the Rhine. If you have a chance to be in Ohio, in Cincinnati, go there. I love The Office. <laughs> <laughs> it's Parasite. such a great show. I mean, it it's, it's so classic. Um, but if if you're looking for something to replace The Office... Parks and Rec it's a good um, one. is a great show. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is in that same mm. kind of realm of comedy, but a little, Curtis is shaking his head. I don't agree with that. Um, it, it's it, the same realm of comedy, but a little bit more over the top. No, it's the same realm of comedy with Andy Samberg. Well, uh, it, like it's, yeah. spe- it's specifically Andy Samberg's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's his child for sure. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love it. The episode that starts with them in the in the room where they they inflate that giant inflatable inside of the break room. <laughs> Terry loves yogurt. <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's a really good show. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have for this week. Thank you all so much for listening this week. If people want to follow up with you guys on social media, where can they do that? I'm at my bourbon finder on Instagram and Facebook now. On Instagram, you can find me at Kurt Con on Twitter, Kurt underscore Con fifteen. Awesome! If you would like to follow up with me, I am at PRitter fourteen ninety two on all social media channels. If you'd like to follow up with the show, we are at My Bourbon Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Send comments or questions to thisismybourbonshop at gmail dot com. We would love to hear from you guys. Um, if you have something that we would like to, or you would like for us to address on the show, again, that is that's my bourbon shop at gmail.com. Bourbonshop.threadless.com is where you can find all of our apparel and merch. We're going to be having a free shipping sale here very, very soon. If you are not a member of the Facebook group, you can head over to facebook.com and search for this in my bourbon group. You have a couple of questions just to make sure that you know what the show is about and we would be happy to bring you in there. And then last but not least, of course, the big one, patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You become a patron of the show. Uh, the tiers for being a patron have just been recently updated so please go and check that out. Um, the base tier, of course, is $1, and that is just to support us. And I threw in, just for the heck of it, $100 a month. You absolutely do not have to do that, but there are some very special 
very unique prizes uh, that are associated with that tier. So again, patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast. Please do become a patron of the show. Again, no pressure. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Next week, not sure just yet. Maybe you guys will be back on. Sure. Who's to say? Sounds good. We'll find out. Yeah. Thank you all again. I will see you next week. But until then, I'm Perry. I'm Curtis. And I'm Swan. And this is my bourbon podcast. Mm -hmm.